0: well, Thank you very much for your prayer. And thank you for your welcome as well. I'm going to be looking at 1 Peter 5 uh, verses 1 to 7, which I think is, is what I've been given. I think that's the right one. So I think you've been working through 1 Peter. So you've uh, reached 1 Peter 5 and verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Well let's look at those uh, uh Wonderful verses in 1 Peter 5. Uh, something that we quite often, uh, yeah, many of you know I work at a school, and Emmanuel, which that was a very appropriate song that we had just a few moments ago. Uh, that was our school song for a few years. Um, I must go, go back to it, but anyway. Um, uh, we often ask youngsters at school, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's a sort of a, 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 a question that we often ask youngsters, isn't it, uh, children that we know. What do you want to be when you grow up? I need to tell you, I was going to be a professional footballer, obviously, uh, when I grew up. There was just one problem about me becoming a professional footballer, uh, and that was that the Lord called me into the Christian ministry. Obviously, I had the talent. Uh, obviously, I am Mo Salah, or I am Ronaldo, or I would have been, or Messi, but the Lord, of course, called me. But uh, anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. The Lord did call me, but anyway, uh, I don't need to have been a footballer. But... Now, asking is a slightly different question. What should we be if we are a grown-up Christian? What should we be if we are a grown-up Christian? And I ask that question because um, Peter, St. Peter, sort of an- <clears throat> answers it in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, to the elders among you. Now, that could mean, as we'll see in a moment, sort of specifically elders, as in technically elders, leaders uh, within the church... But also there's an, also a sense of being, you know, mature Christians. So I not just mean because we might be old. I mean being a Christian for, for a good while. And so it makes you think, what should we be like if we are grown-up Christians? We've been Christians for a while. Well, for some of us, uh, maybe we have, you know, we've been called, if you like, to be uh, leaders. But for all of us, people will be looking up to us. If you are a grown-up Christian, if you're not just a baby Christian, you've been a Christian for a long while, in a church fellowship, and also around wherever you work and your family, people are going to look up to you and think that uh, you are someone maybe to follow or certainly someone, you are an example of a Christian. And so we have a responsibility, don't we, whether we're technically elders in a church or whether we're just grown-up Christians. We shouldn't look to immediately become if you like technically leaders actual leaders in the church unless it is the right thing what does saint peter say he says to the elders among you i appeal be shepherds of god's flock that is under your care watching over them Of course, using the idea there's a picture of a shepherd being a leader. And it was a well-known image. Obviously, it's in the Bible, as we'll look at in the moment. But also, it was wider than the Bible. This idea of a leader being a shepherd of the flock of sheep. And so Peter says, look, if you are a mature Christian, you ought to be a shepherd. You are a shepherd. Because people will be looking at you. You will have a flock around you, whether you know it or not, who will be looking at you maybe judging you, maybe wondering about how you respond to different things. And he says, be careful. If you want to move into being a technically a leader, being actually a leader in the church, be careful that you do it for the right motives. What does he say in verse 2? Um, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. So be a shepherd, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. I did have a slight problem coming when I was being called into the Christian ministry, in that some of you know that my dad's been in, in the ministry, and uh, well, I suppose still is in the ministry, uh, retired in the ministry. And so many people assumed that I would become a minister. I've no idea why that goes. It's not that it's a hereditary sort of thing, is it? It's not that just because your old man's a minister doesn't mean that you ought to be. But there is this sort of idea, well, are you you obviously following in your father's footsteps? And of course, to, for a teenager, as I was at that age, or just an older teenager, it's the last thing you want to hear is that you're following in your father's footsteps, even if you are going to follow in your father's footsteps. You want to be make decisions for yourself. Quite rightly that you should do that. So I went into youth work, first of all, which certainly stood me in good stead for what I'm doing at the moment. So I went into youth work. And I, as I went into youth work, I almost got... A, I wanted not to go to well involved in Christian ministry. But the more I got involved in youth work, the more I got frustrated that young people didn't easily find a home within the church. And I could find myself getting very critical about Christian leadership and Christian minister's And the Lord sort of laid his finger on me, this is more my calling, he laid his finger on me and said, how can you be rude about other people if you won't do it yourself? How can you criticise Christian leaders when you don't want to be a Christian leader yourself? And I could feel myself having to swallow my pride and let people, you know, just about accepting that I was going to have to follow in my father's footsteps. And then my sister started going out with a guy who was training for the ministry and he became a minister as well. So then my brother-in-law's a minister, so everyone thinks it's just a family trait. So, you know, I mean, I fought against, and to some degree, we shouldn't easily slip into leadership because it should be something that we are called, something because we are willing as God wants us to be and not because we've been strong-armed, press-ganged or because it's expected of us. And I say this with a heavy heart because, you know, as having been a pastor and a minister, a vicar of a church, or several churches, you know, you you want sometimes you're desperate for people to get into leadership and they don't seem to be able to hear that the God's calling them. And you're tempted to strong arm them slightly. Do you know what I mean? You're tempted to sort of just force them a little bit because, oh, it would be great if they could be. But it has to be. A willing thing but also it's not for personal gain he says not lording it verse 3 over those entrusted to you or just before that not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve not looking for money having said that It's not a great temptation and I'm sure Phil will accept, you know, you don't really go into Christian ministry for the financial gain, let's be absolutely honest, uh, which is, you know, one good thing. But also that sort of sense of power sometimes that people go into it and, you know, shouldn't be going into it so you can lord it over uh, other people so that people can look at you, as I, look how holy I am. And it's, you have to be, Careful about that. When I used to run youth work, even when I was a minister, I used to run youth work, and people sometimes used to come into the church desperate to be a youth leader. And I used to be very suspicious of anyone who was desperate to be a youth leader. I used to point out to them, it's youth work. It's called work for a good reason. You know, it's not an easy thing. But also, I was slightly worried that some people were needy and wanted they needed to be a youth leader and you can see that there are some dangers about that now broaden that out into christian leadership people who need to be a christian leader to almost fulfill them slightly anxious about that i'm slightly worried because they shouldn't be doing it for their own gain it should be what effect you have on the flock watching over your flock not so you can get something out of it. Now when St. Peter was saying this, I'm sure people who knew their Old Testament scriptures, uh, the Jewish people amongst them, would know Ezekiel 34. And uh, it's not the one we read all the time, but you may know it. It's Ezekiel talking about um, why the people of Israel are in exile, why everything's gone wrong. And he says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So again, remember, shepherds means leaders. Shepherds of Israel prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? It is, you know, I think it's number one on the CV for a shepherd to actually take care of the flock. You eat the curds. You clothe yourselves with the wool. And you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. In other words, you abuse the people under you. That's what he's saying. You, you, you pick out the best sheep and kill them and use the wool and eat the food. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, no good shepherd you can see the image there and i and a lot of what you read in the new testament and certainly st peter would know it is this feeling of that we're not to be those kinds of shepherds we are to be an example there end of verse 3 of 1 peter 5 you are to be an example to the flock now i know in schools we sometimes say to older children it says look what sort of example is that setting to the younger children We don't mean about a bad example here. When he says you've got to be an example to the flock, he's meaning a good example. And that's why, even if we are grown-up Christians, we are setting an example. Even if we are not officially leaders, people are looking up to you. What sort of example are we setting as leaders or as mature Christians? Well, I think there's a lovely bit here which you may have missed in verse 1. It says, Peter says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Now, you can miss that. It's a lovely phrase. This is St. Peter we're talking about. This is St. Peter who he reminds us in the end of verse 1, who was a witness of Christ's sufferings. He is an apostle. He was an apostle. He was the great St. Peter. He was St. Peter who was becoming the one of the great leaders of the church, of the Christian church at that time. And yet when he writes... He says, I'm a fellow elder. St. Paul did similar things. He talked about people being partners in the gospel. You may hear him saying that at points. But here's St. Peter saying, I'm a fellow elder. He shows a humility. I don't know who set the title for this talk. If it was Phil, it was a great title. It was about about humble shepherds, humble sheep or something like that. And it's absolutely the right thing here. St. Peter was being humble. And he says in verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that'll never fade away. The chief shepherd, St. Peter was if you like, the great leader. He was the great shepherd in that sense, but he recognized that he had a chief shepherd, and the chief shepherd would all have to give account to the chief shepherd. How are we to be good leaders? How are we to be a good example as mature Christians? We are to remember that we are humble sheep. We are to remember that we have a shepherd, the chief shepherd, the Lord Himself. Do you know? I've had shepherds on my mind for the last few weeks. It's a strange how this goes, and it's <coughs> interesting to you know. We've already heard this a bit. I think Adrian, you mentioned about it, the having passages keep popping up. Uh, last week I was asked to preach on Psalm 23 at a church. So I have had shepherds on my brain. You know, Lord is my shepherd. So it's strange that when I looked up for this week, uh, and I didn't, I'd forgotten there was a connection there suddenly about shepherds. So the Lord is obviously saying something to me about sheep and shepherds. And he has been. I read Psalm 23 last week oh, as I prepared for it. And it just reminded me again, who's writing it? 3,000 years ago. It's King David. It is the great King David. Yes, he was a shepherd at one point, wasn't he? As he was looking after the sheep when he was called and anointed. And he used his shepherd's know-how to kill Goliath. You know all the story. Um, he also was a great poet. And that's why he's written Psalm 23. But what does he do there? He puts himself in the position of a sheep. A talking sheep. Like Sean the sheep. It's a, Sean the sheep didn't talk, but anyway, you and me—he's a talking sheep. It's as if he's talking to his other fellow sheep. He says, "Oh, by the way, the Lord is my shepherd." So he's he's putting himself. This is the great King David, probably the most powerful king at that time, three thousand years ago in the world, and certainly the most powerful person in his country. And he's saying, "I'm just a sheep," and we can miss that bit. King David is being humble. The Lord is my shepherd and I'm going to just run through it very quickly because I've just got Psalm 23 really it's just going right through me at the moment so I'm going to give it to you as well all right at the moment and I think it fits in and we'll finish off this passage just in a moment but the David says to his fellow sheep the Lord's my shepherd and that's that's why I won't be in want he says he makes me lie down in green pastures you know for a sheep what you really want is to lie down amongst food and that'd be like you know that is just the best I scarified, I've just learnt this word, I scarified my back lawn a few weeks ago, uh, which would get all the moss and the dead grass out, and when I'd done that, no sheep would want to lie down in it, because there was very little grass left, never mind green pastures, just a bit of a a mud-packed sort of thing, so, but, Wonderful idea. David's saying, the Lord gives me everything I need. He leads me beside quiet waters so that, you know, a sheep wants to have running water. Well, it doesn't want stagnant water. Running water. But he doesn't want to risk life and limb on a raging torrent. Quiet waters. He refreshed my soul. David says, look, I need. You may think I've got all I need in terms of food and drink. But I need my soul refreshing by the Lord. Uh, a week or two ago, or a couple of weeks ago, I was having a really hard time at work for for different reasons. And you know how you start to sometimes lose confidence in what you're doing, thinking, Am I doing the right thing here? Everything seems to not be going right. And somebody came into the into the school, into my work, someone I'd spoken to on the phone, don't know her. Don't know if I ever met meet her again. She came in and one of the first things she said to me, she says, Oh, I'm glad to meet you. I've heard not good things about you amongst my fellow, this particular external agency. And I've no idea whether that's true or not, to be honest. And I've no idea why she said it. But I tell you, it refreshed my soul. It was the Lord said it to me. And it was almost like, I don't even have ever experience. it, was almost like the Lord was just speaking through her. Uh, the Lord refreshed my soul. And I just sort of buzzed for a while. I just sort of floated. I thought, why would she suddenly say this? I've never met her before. But it was just like... I don't know what led up to it humanly, but I know spiritually what led up to that. That was the Lord speaking to me. The Lord refreshes my soul, said David. He guides me along right paths, paths of righteousness, for his own name's sake. He gets me from A to B. He gets me to the right place, not just to make me feel, look good, but to honour his name. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't know if anyone else... As I've just sort of explained, I've been had some difficult times these last few weeks. And so this Psalm twenty three, for me, this idea of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and King David admitting that he he feels that. Now for us as Christians, we know on Easter Day that the Lord defeated all the powers of evil. But he still cast a shadow over us. There's no doubt, is there? They cast a shadow and we walk. We know it's the right path, or we should believe it's the right path. He just said, the Lord will lead me along the right path, but I can feel like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But, says David, I'm not going to panic, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Comfort's an old English word, means strength and comfort. Strengthen me. Rod. I looked up the word Rod. Uh, And and look for a different English word Because rod doesn't really mean much to me Uh, The word that came up was cudgel Do you like the word cudgel? I'm going to put that alongside scarify I like like cudgel And of course a cudgel is just a whacking great bit of wood That you hit evil people over the head with Or people you don't like over the head with And it's just this idea that the shepherd Is going to hit on the head All the people are going to jump on this path In the valley of the shadow of death And he's going to keep protecting us I don't know about you, if I'm, I panic when I think I'm on the wrong path. I suddenly decide to, you know, if I'm driving, I suddenly go off on a shortcut. I, oh, I, I don't think this is right, I don't think it's right. And I drive off and I get far lost, far worse than it was. And you can imagine if you're a sheep going through the valley of the shadow of death, you might want to try and scamper up the side of a steep valley, which probably end up in a terrible accident. And so it says, the, his, your staff, it's the great, you know, the, with a the hook on the end. You hook me back on the path every time I try to panic and go off and I don't know about you for me it's become my mantra over these last few weeks <laughs> even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for he is with me now King David needed to say that King David needed the Lord a shepherd and then he finishes up you'll know how it finishes suddenly David doesn't keep in character he breaks out of that and he, he, he imagines himself as a subject of a great king Even though he's the great king, he says, You prepare a table for me, a banqueting table, and you bring me in in the presence of my enemies. And it's almost this I imagine that this banqueting table is in the middle of this castle or this great palace, a stronghold, and that poor old us are pulled in. All our enemies are looking at us, wanting to have a go at us, but they can't do anything because we've got the Lord with us, the great king. He brings us in, they draw up the drawbridge and you have a banquet. I don't know, if you've got chicken drumsticks and throw them over your shoulders, but you're there, and it says, he anoints my head with oil. Do you remember as a kid, sometimes maybe someone at home just stroking your head to make you go to sleep, or when you're feeling sick, you know, just give it soothing you. It's this idea of being soothed, the stress being taken away, and my cup overflows. Do you like those places where you get eternal cups of coffee? Oh, I do. Probably problem is sometimes they <coughs> offer you that and it's, that it's horrible coffee and you think I won't drink any more of this. But when he comes together, a lovely cup of coffee and it's eternal, if you like, you can keep refreshing it. My cup overflows. Surely his goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That would be my panic, is that I'd have to go out past the enemies again. No, he'll be with us always to the end of the age. And in fact, we don't need to leave because we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever david gets a little glimpse of eternity because they didn't really have that in the old testament in the way we have it glimpse of eternity isn't it a fantastic psalm i know it's me i've i'm being indulgent here i'm just going through my lovely this lovely psalm again but if king david said that if king david said i need to remember that the lord is my shepherd how much more we need to remember as leaders and as mature christians that we need to show that we rely on the chief shepherd because that's what people need to see in us they need to see leaders who know that they need to be led and that they have their own fears and they have their own worries but that they go to the right person they go to the chief shepherd so Peter says in verse 5, for 1 Peter 5, In the same way you are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, but all of you clothe yourselves with humility <clears throat> towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. There's a lovely bit of Psalm 23 about the valley of shadow of death. It says, even though I walk through. One little word, for me, really important, and I hope for you tonight. Even though I walk through the valley, he will be with me. It's not this idea of walking around in the valley for the rest of your life. I don't think we could cope with that. He brings us through. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. That he may lift you up in due time. What is the best thing for a Christian leader, or for a mature Christian, is for other those who look up to us to see somebody that knows the difficulties of life, hasn't floated through life, knows that there is a battle out there, but knows that the Lord has brought them and is bringing them through it. What an encouragement! Everybody else. Don't we feel sometimes? I don't know, I feel this. You know, if I fail, if I go wrong, I'm going to destroy the faith of all those people around me who look up to me. The Lord protects us for His own namesake. Even He guides me on the right path for His namesake. We are to humble ourselves, admit we need help, because that's the best example we can show to those around us. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Who's the him there? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Well, it's the Lord Jesus, isn't it? Cast your all your anxiety on him. The amazing thing about Psalm 23 is a thousand years later, King David's son, Son and the son of a son of a son of a son, his descendant, is going to say, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, is going to say, I am the good shepherd. Referring back again to Ezekiel 34 about the bad shepherds, I am the good shepherd. How do we know we can trust him? Because I lay down my life. For the sheep praise the lord that we most of us who are in leadership do not need to lay down our life for the sheep but what we do need to do is show that we in the metaphorical and spiritually we lay down our life to the good shepherd the chief shepherd who has laid down his life for us we are totally reliant on him and so that people or then will follow us they are following the christ himself the good shepherd Let's just bow our heads for prayer. Lord, I want to pray for everybody who is in a position of leadership here tonight. Whether that's an official leadership or whether it's the fact that people look up to them. Lord, it's a burden sometimes when we think, as we battle through moments of difficulties, we feel that not only will we let you down, Lord, but we're going to let down lots of other people. Lord, help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. So that you may lift us up in due time. Lord, so that we may be an encouragement to others. As people know that you are working in us and through us. (coughs) Help us to be humble sheep. So that we can be faithful shepherds. And we ask this in your name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Stuart, for that good word. So we'll just uh, sing his last hymn. We'll say, "Breathe on me, breath of God, fill me with life in You, that I may love what Thou wouldst love, and do what Thou wouldst do." Let's stand to sing yes, yes. to Your Lord. It has been acceptable to You and pleasing to Your Lord, and. And we just thank you, Lord, for your word to us, Lord, and speaking to us in in um, wonderful ways, Lord. Thank you for speaking through Stuart and what you placed upon his heart, Lord. And uh, Lord, uh, we just pray, Lord, that we will uh, live out uh, what's been said, what you have said to us this evening, Lord. Know we have a, a good shepherd, and we are his sheep, and uh, Lord, we shall not want... Lord, help us to walk in the humility of, uh, of uh, our place uh, with you, Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ, in gratitude and thankfulness each and every day. We give you thanks, Lord, for this evening. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.